This is TC Daily and I'm Duncan McLeod and this is our final show for 2022. And the final time that I'm going to be reminding you please to subscribe to our channel. You can do that on YouTube at youtube.com slash techcentral. And uh, while you're at it, why not subscribe to our daily newsletter, techcentral.co.za slash newsletter, and you'll get all the latest local and international tech news, including this show, delivered to your inbox every morning at 5 a.m. But before we all disappear on our Christmas holidays, we have one final interview for the year, and I'm very pleased to welcome Rob Godlinton, CEO of Plus One X into the studio. Rob, it's great to see you. How are you doing? Very well. Thank you very much, Duncan. I really appreciate the opportunity uh, right uh, leading up to Christmas to have a little chat to you and explain what we're doing at Plus One X and where we're going to. So thanks for the opportunity. Well, pleasure. Thanks for coming into the studio. I think many people in the IT industry know you quite well or know your name at least. Uh, you've, um, you've worked for some of the biggest companies in the space. I was actually having a look at your LinkedIn a bit earlier. You started your career at PeopleSoft. Indeed. Well, so I, didn't, I actually started my career in... Uh, as an accountant in Durban at Unilever, oh, all cases, IT career, my <laughs> IT career, hundred percent. I um, and yeah, I had I had the opportunity living in the UK, um, and actually was implementing Oracle Financials at the time, uh, but as an accountant, mm-hmm. and had the opportunity to uh, join PeopleSoft uh, as an implementation manager, and that's actually when uh, uh, the love for tech uh, started back in uh, 1996. So was it around that time that Oracle bought PeopleSoft? A, a little bit later than later. that, yeah. Mm-hmm. But there is a little story behind uh, my career and, and uh, Oracle buying PeopleSoft. So I, I worked for PeopleSoft uh, from 96 to 2000 and, and then started my first business mm-hmm. as an implementation partner. Um, and we scaled up that business and uh, were fortunate enough to, uh, to sell that business to... Um, to an American company called Infogain. Um, and you know, my first experience of acquisitions, and I'll come back and talk about acquisitions and join us a bit later. Um, but you know, from a, from a people pers- PeopleSoft perspective, um, we built a business, uh, and then Oracle bought PeopleSoft. Mm. Um, and it was an interesting, interesting times there because it actually created an opportunity for me to join another uh, organization called Cedar Consulting, okay. uh, also in the, in the PeopleSoft space. So, yeah, that that you, you're right. That was that was my my love for tech and understanding of tech, and uh, you know went through the Y2K uh, bubble with PeopleSoft, right. and then got into the 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 dot com uh, side of things. Uh, also with PeopleSoft, on you know they were the fir- they were actually the first client server organization to move to um, the internet uh, mm-hmm. you know side of side of things. So PeopleSoft ahead of their times, um, and interesting. I'm not sure if you're aware that. A lot of the leaders of PeopleSoft went on after Oracle bought them mm-hmm. uh, to, far, to, to be the founders of Workday. Oh, I uh, didn't know that. Yeah, okay. so um, I often say to people, you know, and, and probably get myself into trouble and say, uh, um, you know, Workday is PeopleSoft on steroids because they, what they did is they took time off and reflected on where, where the market was going. And yeah. so that's how they bought out a, a, a cloud platform in the enterprise resource planning space um, as Workday. So... And, you know, it is fascinating to see how people, um, you know, sort of build out uh, new mm. tech based on what's happening in the world. So yeah, It was a hell of an acquisition back at the time that Oracle did. It yeah. was multi-billion dollar. And back then, it was, that was a lot of money. It and, was indeed, yeah. And, yeah, and uh, Oracle shut down the PeopleSoft name pretty quickly. Um, yeah, so interesting, uh, um, uh, Duncan, on, on, the, on the PeopleSoft side of things, the, the brand and the technology and the human capital space is still operating. 
Is still, the brand still there? The brand is still oh. there. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so actually, they kept two two brands, um, uh, and the one the one is JD Edwards, which uh, yeah, I remember JD is, Edwards. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and because people have bought JD Edwards correct. before Oracle. Bigger fish and bigger yeah. fish, right? So, so there, yeah, it's always fascinating, and it has been fascinating for me around acquisitions, and we'll talk about that a little yeah. bit later. But you know, sitting there, and, and uh, you know, the Craig Conway, um, who, who actually worked for Larry Ellison, and, and I think what, one of the things that people don't actually appreciate in our space is how many top uh, leaders um, you know Larry Ellison produced over the years, because mm. you know you've got Tom Siebel, um, you know, mm-hmm. who. Um, uh, um, from a CRM side of things in those early days, came from Oracle. Uh, Mark Benioff, Salesforce came from Oracle. Right. Uh, yeah, also one of, uh, one of Larry's uh, lieutenants. Um, but going back to that, uh, the PeopleSoft's um, sort of tried, to, well, bought uh, JD Edwards with the hope of not then, mm-hmm. uh, the, the hope that Oracle wouldn't buy uh, PeopleSoft because it had got so big already. Mm-hmm. But uh, Larry being Larry, I acquired both of them at the right. time. Um, and you know the the idea was to fuse the product the the products together, uh, and they did. They took a lot of the good learnings and good tech out of both JD Edwards and and PeopleSoft, um, and and built out Oracle Fusion. But they've still kept in, in specifically in two areas for PeopleSoft in the higher ed sp- higher education space uh, in US in the USA, um, PeopleSoft dominated, and and in the human capital uh, HR side of they dominated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and JD Edwards, Edwards, I do believe, is still around and very strong in the supply chain and manufacturing side of things. But okay. yeah, so it's fascinating these companies uh, right. you know, uh, what they do. Right, and and you um, made your first foray into the IT services, the sort of system integrator market, I think, around the mid two thousands when you joined Dimension Data. Yeah, so correct. Uh, yeah. Uh, so well, I was had uh, had the opportunity and. Uh, you know, people often ask me why. Why did I come back to South Africa? You know, after spending twelve years, thirteen years in uh, in the UK, and and it was really around. Uh, you know, wanted to make a difference already in South Africa. Uh, the quality of life. It's it's a phenomenal country. Yeah. It's got amazing opportunities, um, and had the opportunity to join Dimension Data uh, in the on the global sales side of things. So. Uh, and Still based in the UK. Uh, so I started in the UK. Uh, for well, you the, came back here, yeah. and, mm. and then came back with them. So the, okay. the plan was uh, to start there, and then uh, and I spent f- I spent four years, um, you know, with Dimension Data. And I think the biggest learning that I would take out of uh, that experience and and what uh, the likes of Jeremy Ward and Doc Watson and, and and the team had got right in the early days, they were obsessed with their clients, and, mm-hmm. and I think probably my biggest learning from them. Uh, and that I've taken into Plus One X is that client obsession, and, th- and they really did uh, accelerate that because you know in in those days uh, on the back of Cisco they did um, they did amazing things in the mm-hmm. in the networking space for South Africa and, and enabling businesses. Yes, yes, yeah. okay. So you were there for about four years or so, uh, and then I'm not sure if it happened immediately, but you you then joined EOH. Um, what, what what capacity did you start at EOH? So yeah, a very very interesting question. So at the time, um, Asher Bobbitt, who was the founder of EOH, um, was looking to to scale out the business, and uh, uh, because of my background in PeopleSoft and Oracle, um, I was uh, due to join them to head up the Oracle business. Um, but at the time, at the same time, uh, Asher was talking to a gentleman called Andrew Krauser, who was the sales director for Oracle. And he came across. So I went and looked after um, four businesses within um, within EOH, 
uh, with a view to, to acquiring more businesses uh, and scaling out those businesses. So uh, at the time we called it the strategic business services um, you know, within EOH and, and mm -hmm. that's, you know, those are the first four businesses um, that, that, you know, that form part of my portfolio yeah. that over a period of time we, we scaled out. Okay, and you moved on to other roles within EOH over time. Uh, just take us through very briefly your career history inside EOH. EOH. Yeah, sure. Um, so, yes, I started off with um, you know, companies that were, um, you know, there was a company called Bromide, which was in the infrastructure and managed services. There was a company called CISPRO uh, that was in, uh, in the ERP side of things. Um, and, and the strategy was to, um, to acquire good entrepreneurial businesses, bring them, on to, bring them into EOH and, and to scale them. So oh. my focus was that, uh, you know, from, from day one, um, and over a period of time, you know, we built, built that up, acquiring businesses like uh, Belay in the Microsoft space, Airborne in the Microsoft space, uh, one being in Gauteng, one being in West, Western Cape. And we built out the portfolio of technology businesses um, and, and scaled those businesses. And we scaled them through a combination of um, you know, access to enterprise clients um, and through those uh, entrepreneurial people being able to build out their businesses on the platform. Um, and and that's, how, that's how we scaled the business, probably 50% organically and 50% uh, through acquisitions over the years mm -hmm. um, to scale out the, the ICT side of the business, which yeah. is what I you know, grew out and, and became responsible for um, over the years. Yeah. So you, you, in effect, by the time you left EOH, you were running what became the IOCO IT services business. Correct, yeah. Okay. Correct, yeah. So, I mean, one of the challenges and you know, lessons learned from, uh, from the EOH perspective is that we ended up with too many brands. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the customers say, well, you know, we, we're, we want the services from EOH, but it was never an end-to-end -end service because it was so many different brands. And yeah. uh, part, of the, part of the strategy... Um, in the latter part that we drove, it was myself and a gentleman called Simon Joss, was to bring those businesses together under the one brand, Ioka. Okay. Um, and so, so we, we delivered on, um, on, on that was one brand. I'm you know, very proud of, of that achievement. Um, and it's, again, some of the lessons that I've learned, mm. I've, I've taken across to, to Plus One X from sure. that perspective, from the branding, perspe yeah. the branding side of things. Well, why did you end up leaving EOH in the end? Um, yeah, very good question, uh, Duncan. So, you know, when you've been running hard for, for 10 years um, and as an entrepreneur at, at heart and, and working with these guys, I, I felt that it was the right time um, and myself and Stephen sat down uh, to, to move on. Stephen and take van Koller had joined already when you... Correct, okay. yeah. So, okay. so Stephen had been there for about 18 months um, where we worked mm. together. So you know, we decided that you know, it was t uh, you know, a different type of leadership needed right. for the organization. So you know, very fortunate that uh, I was able to you know, recharge the ba batteries and take right. uh, six to nine months out. Did you yeah. see, I mean, was there a difference of strategy, a difference of agreement, a difference in approach to the strategy that you were looking to do and what Stephen was looking um, to do? No, not really. No. I mean, it was just, just where, the, where the business was and, right. uh, you know, from uh, you know, uh, where, where we were taking the business. You know, the IOCA brand and the strategy was in place and, mm -hmm. uh, and we, we, you know, they've driven that uh, nicely. I mean, I'm, I'm very proud of, of okay. wh what, what they've achieved on the IOCA brand. I, you know, yeah. there's some some yeah. great people there to uh, taking it forward. You yeah. Know, so yeah. Uh, good. So you were with EOH for a good ten years or so. Um, were you shocked when you found out what was going on at EOH? 
Uh, I mean, the news broke about, I think, I think when the Department of Defense Microsoft contract, I think that was in 2019, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct, yeah. Um, and suddenly it became clear, and a lot of people in the market have been, there been a lot of whispering in the market for many years that there was malfeasance going on at EOH. Suddenly it was in the open, yeah. State Capture Commission investigations, um, EOH appointed ENS Africa to That's correct, dig yeah. up what happened in the yeah. public sector contracts, etc. Looking back at, at, at everything that's happened, were you shocked when you saw all of the stuff? Yeah, so obviously I mean, you're shocked, disappointed and sad. You know, we, we, we'd built a great business there. And uh, again, lessons learned you know, mm -hmm. on um, you know, building the businesses. You know, we ended up with too many legal entities um, and you know, controlling and managing what, ha what happens in so many different le legal entities um, was, was, is difficult. Um, and again, lessons learned for Plus One X. You know, it's one of the things that we don't do is take yeah. over the legal entities because, you know, when you've got people with control over legal entities, those are the things, those things happened. And, you know, it was, you know, very disappointing, very sad uh, to, you know, to, well, about what happened. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, and, yeah, shocked when stuff came out at the Zonda Commission. So, yeah. Um, yeah, unfortunately, those were, the, those were the, the, call it the Zuma years, and it's, yeah, it's very disappointing, but... You know, again, if yeah. I go back and, you know, you've got to, you've got to learn from, you know, mistakes that people mm -hmm. have made. And one of those was, you know, too many entities, too many brands. Uh, right. And that allowed people that were, you know, to do things that they should never have done. Right. Uh, so do you, was it chiefly, do you think, a governance problem at EOH? Um, no, it's a good that, question. That it just, you know, that there wasn't central control over what was happening and that people could go off and pay bribes to government officials and all this sort of stuff. Um, I mean, is, is this fundamentally a governance issue at EOH that the top management lost control of what was going on inside the organization? Yeah, so it's, um, yeah, it's I, mean, I think it's a combination of, you know, have, having that visibility and, and control, uh, which, is, which is important. Um, and I think it's one of the key things that, you know, Roynet and other organizations have got, got right. Um, and, you know, you have, you have those controls, um, but if you have so many entities, which is the challenge that we had at EOH, Getting visibility of them and and having entrepreneurs mm. doing things in, in those businesses yes. um, is is hard. And so you know, as part of one of the exercises I was, uh, with Ioka was to consolidate the number of entities. And and yep. just in Ioka, we had uh, sixty odd entities that we consolidated down to 12, mm. uh, 13 of those mm. those entities. So yeah. yeah, it was a strategy that worked very well for EOH for many years. And I know it was led by Asher yes. Bobot. Uh, buying companies uh, with EOH script, um, get, getting companies involved. The share price was going up. The share price kept going up. In fact, it kept going up for years and years and years. And even many analysts were questioning whether this thing was, whether the, this was a, a, a house of cards waiting yeah. to, to collapse. And in, in the end, it turned out it was a house of cards that, and it ended up collapsing. Um, do you think, I mean, if you look back at the way EOH was managed through the years that you were there and maybe before and yeah. after that, what do you think should have happened differently? Do you think that those acquisitions were, I mean, do you think there were too many acquisitions? Do you think that uh, EOH should have, um, should have consolidated them better? How, how could the organization have avoided getting into the mess that it eventually got into? Um, yeah, so very good question. And, and uh, you know, again, lessons learned there. So, you know, I think that fundamentally the business model for EOH w was, was right. Mm -hmm. And that was, if you look at it, you get uh, top quality businesses, people that know, you know, have run their businesses. You bring them on board onto, you know, into EOH, uh, you know, access to, to, to enterprise clients, 
access to working capital and, and, you, and you allow them to, to scale their businesses. And, you know, so, you know, people used to ask, well, how can you continue growing? But we were growing organic, organically mm. at over 50% uh, and, and scaling up uh, nicely. And, you know, to answer your question, you know, if there weren't you know, corrupt people, mm-hmm. I think I, I do believe the business would continue to have scaled. Now, you know, the challenge is when you, when you scaled up to 16 billion uh, in turnover and, you got, and, you, and the market expects you to grow by, you know, 15, 20%, that's hard. You've got to mm. do other bigger acquisitions. And, and that's probably where, to answer your question, it was um, probably not the, the volume of acquisitions. It was the quality of acquisitions mm. um, that, in hindsight, you know, it's easy to look back and say, okay, well, should they have done some of those mm. some of those acquisitions? Mm. Um, but I do believe that you know the the model uh, and what EOH was doing um, was the right thing. And I think a lot of people forget you know how we had scaled that business up to a substantial business. And I suppose the flip side of looking at it is that you know um, you know uh, Stephen and the team uh, because of the you know the debt side of things. Um, you know, have had to sell very good assets. So, so you know, you can go you can say, well, you know, should we have acquired those? Those were good assets, and, and unfortunately, because of where mm. the debt is, they've had to sell some of those assets. Do you think more could have been done by the management to unearth and, and, and deal with the corrupt elements within the organisation and what was going on, particularly in the public sector contracts? And, and was there, was there organisational awareness of really what was going on in, the, in some of those contracts? Yeah, so again, good question, Duncan. Uh, it, it's very, you know, very difficult, um, you know, because of the way the entities were set up yeah. to to have un, un, unlocked that. Uh, you know, comment I do make to people is that you know those enterprise development partners mm-hmm. that unfortunately were corrupt were doing were enterprise development partners with with uh, competitors of uh, of EOH at the time. So, you know, the question does beg, you know, if ENS had reviewed those right. ones, you know, what would happen from that perspective? Yeah. yeah. Lastly, on EOH, yeah, uh, your sure. thoughts on wh- where the organisation is today? Do you think Stephen van Koller has, has uh, done a good job of rescuing the organisation, and where do you think it's going? I mean, you must have a soft heart for the organisation after having worked there for ten years. <laughs> yes, yeah. uh, do you um, do you think that EOH's future is uh, is bright? Yeah. So, it's, it's, so firstly, I mean, there's some, there are amazing people at EOH, you yeah. know, and uh, yeah, there are colleagues and people that are still there, and, and so. You know, I wish, wish the, the company and the brand and Ioka, you know, all the best uh, out in the market. So, uh, and, you know, Stephen's got, had a challenging job. You know, he's, yeah. he's, there, he's been there now for four years. So, you know, he, he needs to execute to his strategy. Like my shareholders at uh, Roynet are expecting me from a plus one X perspective to execute, execute to my strategy. So, you know, for now, you know, I just wish him, wish him all the best and, and, and the teams, teams that are there because right. many of them, um, at EOH or colleagues uh, that I that yeah. I worked with, so um, yeah, I really do wish them the best. Yeah, right. Well, let's move on then to uh, talk about about Plus One X, which yeah, you sure. founded about two and a half years ago now. Um, what was the genesis of Plus One X? Uh, you you left EOH. You spent I think six or nine months thinking about what to do <laughs> next, and then Plus One X is what you decided to do. Um, what was the genesis of it, and how did the relationship with Roynet come about? Yeah, so so that you know the the way that. Uh, uh, we created Plus One X. Is uh, firstly, I was I was fortunate to have that time off, and you know, uh, the the more I thought about it, you know, uh, I say to people, if you if you ha- if you're fortunate to have time off, then you need your friends that you know, ride bikes. I'm a big mountain biker, play golf, 
you need to they need to have time off at the same time you right. know and uh it, this this was this was pre-covid so you know when uh, everybody was working from eight to five and the only the people that would ride a mountain bike they want to ride at six o'clock in the morning i'm like no man i'm, I'm, I'm getting up that early. i'm not getting up that early um and so I had time off. Mm. And then the more I reflected on my, my experiences uh, as an entrepreneur and building a business, mm -hmm. and I, I remember my, early, my first days going around and uh, trying to raise capital and everybody said, said oh, it's a great idea, but what's your experience? Well, you know, if I, if I had had the experience and raised capital, I wouldn't be asking for more capital. Um, so I was, uh, you know, that stuck in my head. You know, I've, I've now got the experience of scaling businesses and I was, I was confident that I, I could raise capital uh, from a from private equity players, the question was what, and the more I documented and you know sat down of, and, and uh, around the lessons I learned building mm -hmm. my own business, um, my lessons I learned back to earlier what I said about dimension data, that that client obsession, yeah. um, and then the lessons that that I learned about um, and understood from an EOH perspective, you know, getting entrepreneurs um, on a platform and allowing them to scale their business mm -hmm. and creating opportunities to improve people's lives. The more I thought, you know, I can't sit back, uh, and not do and, and help people in South Africa. Um, so, you know, so from a plus one X perspective, my wish was to create a, a systems and a, s a solutions integrator that was tech agnostic. And what do I mean by that? You know, it's in, in South Africa, Dimension Data built their business on Cisco, mm -hmm. You know, synthesis on AWS, Mint on Microsoft, and you know that that makes sense, and, and I think it's, it is an option and a way to build your business. But really, what I wanted to do is to build a business that was solving clients' problems. And yes, we would have all the right tech certifications, but I didn't want to be a pure reseller. Um, and people often ask me, "Rob, oh, but who are you looking to be when you when you wanted to build out Plus One X?" And and I say, you know, if you, if you're looking for somebody. Ultimately, my dream is that you know we'd be the Accenture here in South Africa um, that uh, is able to understand the client's problems, have the right people to deliver those solutions, and be South African, you know, and deliver those um, those solutions from here in South Africa. So, so that's you know sort of the um, you know the, the why behind um, Plus One X, and mm -hmm. and really it is about um, you know the lessons that 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 I've learned in the past. Um, and raising capital to build something. Yeah, yeah. Now, you often describe yourselves as a new age system integrator. What do you mean by that exactly? And so what, what I mean by that is the fact that we're not, um, you know, a, a built to, you know, aligned specifically to one technology. You know, okay. ultimately, we, we look and we understand what the client's problems, problems are and what are they trying to solve for their customers. And then we use the technology uh, to enable that. So, for example, at uh, Kia Retail, we're working with them on the digital media side, we're working with them on their software dev, we've built their, um, uh, their, their platforms for them, and we've helped them move to the cloud. But ultimately, what is their goal is how do we, how do we help them sell more cars? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's where I'm coming from where, uh, uh, you know, as a solutions and systems integrator, mm -hmm. you know, new age just being we're utilizing the, the, the latest technologies Without being saying, okay, well, you know, you have to go AWS or you have to go Microsoft. Yeah. They're unbelievable technologies. It's just working out how can we help our, okay. help our clients from that perspective. So you're not looking to be a Cisco Gold Partner or a Microsoft Gold Partner and that sort of thing. Um, so we 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 are uh, in those examples. I mean, yeah. we probably got one of the most certifications in Microsoft okay. as an example. But that's, so you do work closely with the vendors. Uh, as we well. work very closely with the vendors, and mm -hmm. you need those certifications. But if a, if a client 
uh, like a large bank is moving um, a lot of their, their, their um, applications yep. um, to, in this case, it's to Microsoft Azure. We've got the certifications and we're helping them move their applications to the Azure cloud. Okay. At the same time, we're doing a, a similar exercise in AWS. So, so it is around what's your problem and the, and the tech, and, okay. and we are certified in, in those technologies. So if I'm going to summarize it, you've got, you, you have more of an advisory role than a traditional system integrator. So advisory, but the big difference is that we can then execute and implement. And that's mm -hmm. what, you know, and that's why it's a bit, bit tongue-in-cheek with uh, Accenture because okay. they can execute and they've got global centers all around the world. Yeah. I'm just saying we're, we're a local provider that can give advice and then mm -hmm. uh, implement from that perspective. Are there specific industries that you specialize in? Um, so yes, there are, and that's because of the, how we built out the business and the enterprise clients that we have. Mm -hmm. So um, you know, from a plus one X perspective, going all all the way back to you know scaling the business, it's around having business. What we've got is we've effectively got access to enterprise clients. Um, we have platforms, which is basically our HR finance, um, and then we have our uh, black partners that are invested in us, which allow us to be. Over over fifty one percent black owned, thirty percent black female, which allow our our um, in, uh, joiners, as we call them, people that we acquire, come on board to to deliver into the enterprise side. Okay. The the first phase of that was in was a company called Nashua Communications, which, if you go all the way back to its history, was uh, the Siemens business here in South Africa. That's right. Which was owned by Roynet. As part of us uh, and Roynet being our investment partner. We use that business to scale out. We were very, very fortunate that business had some great clients, both on the banking side of things, uh, on uh, so the financial services, mining, uh, and then uh, in the university space. Mm -hmm. um, so, long way of answering your question, but to say you know from a uh, you know those are, those are the core areas that we that we we, we started the business on, and then we're able to lay on yeah. top yeah. And you've made a number of acquisitions in the last little while. Um, maybe just very briefly take us through those. Yeah, sure. Um, so, I mean, from an acquisition perspective, you know, we call them joiners. And going back to my lessons from, go all the way back to that PeopleSoft oracle, you know, if an acquisition is uh, um, you know, acrimonious, it's never going to work. So it mm -hmm. needs to be a win-win situation. So we actually want the businesses to join us and then scale out. Why, do we, why did we need to do these acquisitions, or as we call them joiners, was to build out our services capability mm -hmm. to deliver from our clients. Again, lessons learned there. From day one, one brand, so plus one X. So to, the first uh, acquisition we did was a company called Datacore Media in the digital media space, so Facebook, LinkedIn, Google, and bringing that into, into the data side of things. So that's our plus one X uh, digital, digital media capability. Um, the next one was around, again, following our clients' needs. You know, we, we, we built out our cloud business into the hyperscalers, uh, but a lot of our clients were saying, well, what can you offer us and deliver for us here in South Africa? And hence, uh, Triple H were the next one in the, in, on the cloud space, and we scaled out that. Um, and then the, 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 the third one, sorry, there are actually five, but I forget okay. them. The third one was uh, Code Maven in the software dev space. Um, and that was, you know, grown from... Uh, you know, over, just over a year ago, joining us as Plus One X Software Dev, they've gone from 90 to about 180 um, software dev consultants. Wow. Uh, you know, doing design, build, and operate in the in on, on the software dev side. Um, and then uh, our, our our last <coughs> last two are um, you know EUC Africa and the end user computing side. So around Citrix and Microsoft, 
Um, and then all the way back, sorry, I missed the, 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 the other one was mm -hmm. the Roynet ICT uh, business that uh, was providing uh, licensing and managed services within Roynet. So that, that, that's where we are as we are currently right. today, roughly about 350 uh, people in, in okay. the business providing those services. And in terms of your acquisition strategy, where are the gaps that you... Uh um, so, yeah, so fr from a, a build-out perspective, you know, the areas that we've got gaps in are in the, in the data side of things. So we, we've got a small bu uh, data business, but, you know, d data, um, you know, somebody asked me, well, what are the top themes for uh, FY 2023? And I think one of the big ones is around understanding data, uh, you know, both internally and then how to monetize it. So you know, in the data space, we, you know, we need to we need to scale up, um, and then in the security space, mm -hmm. um, we also need to uh, scale up. So those those are two that we've uh, we've identified. And and what sort of a war chest do you have to make acquisitions? Um, you're obviously part of Roynet. Uh, Alan Dixon was in in the studio a couple of weeks ago. We last week, I think. Um, uh, does he has he made Roynet's cash uh, resources available for you to go on a Buying spree. Uh, to what extent can you actually scale up through through bigger acquisitions? <coughs> yeah, so very good question. So uh, I mean, one of the benefits of being part of Roynet is is access to the uh, you know, mergers and acquisitions um, capability, and also to to the working capital, as you've called it, the the, the war chest. Yes. Um, and you know, for us, it's we've got a business plan from a plus one x perspective. Uh, as as mentioned, data and security, mm -hmm. um, but we are looking at w and working very closely with um, with Alan and the team around what other what other areas can we scale out there. Um, so you know, it's uh, if I've got the if I put the right business case in uh, on the table, mm -hmm. you know, the the investment from a from a Roynet perspective. Uh, will will happen. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, okay. So, so, very, so not very just small bolt-on acquisitions. You could do something big. Yeah. So we could do something bigger, and then that's you know that is the exciting uh, part of why yeah. you know why we went with Roynet as our investment partner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you two final questions. The one is pertaining to the IT industry, and the final one is pertaining to the country. Uh, I want to ask you about the state of the IT industry in South Africa. Uh, you've been in this industry for a long time. Uh, there seems to be a um, at the, w w on one side of things, there seems to be a shortage of skills. On the other side of things, there's not much employment going on at the moment. Companies are really feeling the pressures. What's your sort of broad take on the state of the IT industry in South Africa right now and where it's going? Oh, very good question. So um, yeah, the state of the IT industry um, is very positive in South Africa. And part of the reason why coming back with Dimension Data was that one of the things I always found about South Africans, we make things happen. Mm -hmm. you know, and it, it's exciting because... You know, having lived in the UK, I, I say to people that there, you know, the people go deep with the technology, and, and whereas in South Africa we go broad and we get exposed to things a lot quicker, faster, and we try and we fail fast, mm -hmm. and, and that's so exciting about South Africa. Um, but you know, the the, the 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 flip side of that is that you know people know um, on a global stage that South Africans make things happen, and therefore, um, going back to your thing, the demand for our technologists is is going up and uh, you know, one of the things that COVID taught us, you can work, for, work from anywhere, mm. you know, so, um, you know, we're, we're now competing on a global stage. So the challenge for us, going back to your thing, there is a skill shortage. Um, in my opinion, there's a work experience and an experience shortage mm -hmm. as opposed to, um, you know, qualification experience. And I think we've got unbelievable institutions, uh, universities, technicons, and then we've got people investing in uh, organizations like 
uh, you know, we think code, uh, uh, code lady, I think it's code lady or mm-hmm. girl code, sorry. Right. There, there are lots of um, institutions and people that are investing in qualifications. Our challenge is as an enterprise and as an industry mm-hmm. is how do we give them that experience? Because everybody's so busy, they're under pressure. Um, so we're, we've been working with some financial institutions to build out what we're calling our work experience platform. And that's really, a, so Morgan who heads and, and Darby who head up uh, our software dev business, they call it the missing middle because mm-hmm. it's how do we get people that are qualified to be an experienced software dev engineers. Um, and we need to build out that work experience. Uh, and so ultimately what we, we're working with our, uh, with, with three of the banks uh, where, where they giving us pieces of work to fulfill. So it is, it's not quite outsourcing, it's a partnership model. And what we're doing is we're putting young grads onto those programs with our experienced people to deliver that. And after six months, you know, those people have got good experience. And that's the real challenge we have mm-hmm. in South Africa. Uh, you know, I think with the digital economy that we have, people have got access to it, but how do we get that experience? And, and, I, and I'm a big believer uh, in, how, in, in what do we do in that space? And we're working with the likes of Clickertel, Peter de Villiers mm-hmm. uh, as well. Who's, who's, they've got, we've got some great initiatives. And that's why I'm very excited about the future of IT in South Africa. Okay. Now, what about the country as a whole? Uh, we're uh, sitting recording this. We've got stage five load shedding going on. Makes it very difficult to do business. Uh, you're positive about the outlook for the IT industry. What about the country more broadly? Um, so more broadly, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a true South African, so mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm going to look at the, the glass half full. And, and just, I just believe that I, I, here as South Africans, you know, we just make things happen. Um, except uh, electricity. Uh, except electricity, but even <laughs> then, if you, if you look at, and you, you said you had uh, Alan from Roynet uh, yes. uh, in here, and if you look at Roynet, we've, we've, there's a whole lot of stuff we're doing in mm. uh, renewable energies yes. as one of the segments. And yeah. going back to it, you know, Throw a problem at a South African, we'll find a solution and we'll make it happen. So, whilst 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 the, the you know we, we are going through some tough times, you yeah. know, um, you know if, around political tough times, we're going through some tough times around load shedding. But as South Africans, you know, I'm I'm optimistic, and that's why I came back 15 years ago to make a difference. And you know, I'm I'm sure we'll make a difference, and we'll we'll see through it. We'll 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 make a plan. That's for sure. Rob Godlinton is founder and CEO of Plus One X. Thank you so much for being our final guest on TC Daily for 2022. Have a great break and uh, we'll catch everybody in the new year. Thanks, Rob. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it, Duncan. All the best. Thank you.